0: hi comrades and welcome to the podcast just a quick show note before we get started phil and i recorded this episode right after hurricane harvey hit houston um and we mentioned that in the podcast and also after the hurricanes that hit puerto rico and the devastation that occurred there um and naturally our conversation turned to those topics as we'd just been living through them i wanted to include a uh, Some of the things film brought up in his discussion of Puerto Rico. But obviously it's not related to music or the record and it's not why a lot of you are here. So I included it after the run out. If you're inclined to stay tuned, um, by all means, if you're not interested, just uh, end the podcast at the usual time. But I will include uh, links to Puerto Rico charity in the show notes. Uh, There are still people there who need help. Still, people without power. Um, so, I would encourage you all, uh, as you enjoy your holiday time, to think about uh, doing what you can to help uh, those uh, those people who still uh, need some support. With that, on with the show. Welcome, comrades, to the Exchanger podcast.
1: I don't have... Let's do it. Yeah. What number is this? Uh, seven? Seven? Is it? I'll tell you. I think it's either six or seven. I
0: think it's six. I think it's episode six. All right. I'm not a number, I'm a free man. Wasn't he number six? <laughs> Prisoner? <laughs> the Prisoner, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh man. i
0: I don't know if that's more more or less obscure than the the short circuit reference from number five.
1: <laughs> I've gotten both of them. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> have you Have you watched The Good Place? By the way, <sighs> no. You should watch it, man. Okay, I think you'll like it. It's uh, it, it's a lot like The Prisoner in some ways. Uh, and it's got a lot of philosophy jokes, which I appreciate. Oh, nice. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of uh, a lot of mainstream sitcoms that have references to Kant
0: (laughs) this is true I feel like I I feel like Frasier might have at one point but yes yes, (laughs) I remember when they were arguing
1: they were arguing about which quote to use and he was like LaRouche Foucault (laughs) Uh. the the whole premise of that show is that uh, someone dies and is in basically welcomed into the good place Mm -hmm. uh, where they're told that the rules are that you basically have a running ledger of your actions over the entirety of your life. And you know, you get scored by this very precise mathematical formula as to whether or not you did good or not so good for, for the rest of mankind basically. Uh And uh, at the end they tally it up. And if your number's high enough, you get to go to the good place uh, with other people from who have similarly performed. Uh, But most people don't make it like, hardly anyone makes it to the good place basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because the formula is that uh discriminating and this woman's there uh Kristen Bell and she immediately realizes that they've confused her with someone else and that she doesn't belong and so the whole show is her being terrified that she's going to be found (laughs) out because she's not good at being a good person
0: (laughs) it's my entire working career Phil
1: I know, it's, it's <laughs> like it's they take the imposter syndrome and they make it into a sitcom. So it speaks to me. That's
0: pretty good. Yeah. We have to check it out. All right. Well, by way of introduction, my name is Simon. And I'm Phil. And we are here uh, to review records, basically, trade them back and forth between each other and, and make recommendations. And if I remember correctly, the recommendation you gave to me last time was Devochka, How It Ends.
1: It's good you remember, because that's what we're going to talk about.
0: Good. <laughs> it was quite a long time ago, to be honest. There was like a hurricane yeah. and and Tom Petty died in the meantime, so it's it's been yeah. a while.
1: Th- there was like seven hurricanes <laughs> and, and all, all manner of... There was a point at which the sun was blotted out from the sky and then everything yes. went back. <laughs> so I think I think again we're getting into this trend of dating the podcast, which is kind of cool. Yeah. The time capsule. It is a
0: little little nugget of, of time.
1: But it's uh I, I think it's apt that the last that the album that we're on now is titled How It Ends yeah. because All things it are certainly towards feels
0: apocalypse.
1: Yeah, there's uh there's a lot of end times feelings going on. Uh... Oh God, up to below. Oh, you can say these streets are rivers. You can call these rivers streets. You
0: tell yourself you're dreaming, but even all sleep runs this deep. No, no sleep runs this deep. Oh God, up to below. Oh God, up to below.
2: Oh God, up to below.
0: Oh God, up to below. But the thing, I mean, hurricanes and eclipses are one thing. Snoop Dogg getting his own game show was really what sold it for me. Have you seen that?
1: No, I have to say I stopped watching the news because it was uh, filling me with dread, so I missed that.
0: Yeah, these are the things that you, you don't pick up on. Yeah.
1: No, no, that would have been worth it to know. <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, I don't know what the world has come to.
1: I think it's you know it's it's kind of worth pointing out too, like we were we were in a very good system of recording these once a week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and if anybody's wondering about the disconnect in time, it's that we're both uh from Houston, so yeah, we sort of had a a little bit of biblical flooding there that kind of uh, distracted uh, pretty much broke any habit I had right like right you know uh so i I used to wake up every morning and eat a piece of chocolate. Like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> also, I still don't know what day it is. So, no. you take the good and the bad. Mm-hmm.
0: So, anyway, Davochka, tell me about how you first started listening to these guys, or what your experience with the album was.
1: So, I figure, if you look back at at my golden years of musical discovery, which I'm having a little bit of a renaissance now, I think, but good you know back back in, back in college there was uh you know the indie i i think of certain bands that were in heavy rotation in the music i listened to and i was there were so many bands that i really liked that were putting out a lot of different types of music and devotchka was one of them they were just uh sort of on the indie scene mm-hmm. um you know right right around that 2003 2004 2005 time period when i was listening to things like the arcade fire and Maybe some of the other bands that we've talked about. Yeah. And but devotchka was special because they were so different. They were mm-hmm. more of that international flair. Um, they they were fun and catchy and and overall just uh, unique. And so I listened to that particular album a lot. Uh, How it ends and uh, so. In particular, the title track, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs, and I'm not ashamed to admit it's one of my breakup songs. Yeah,
0: I can see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it kind of uh, it kind of. Had, I think I listened to that one. It, it was up there with uh, again being Brene Brown vulnerable. <laughs> most of uh, most of the songs that are in my most played, you know, when iTunes would tell you which songs you've played the most, right. Uh, it was probably songs that I listened to when I was sad Uh because, you know, you listen to them over and over again. Right. Um, and, and I think that was, that was definitely in the top five. Mm. Um, but it also, uh, it also was included in the soundtrack of Little Miss Sunshine, which is a movie Mm -hmm. I greatly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I think after seeing that movie, uh, it reminded me how much I liked the album, so I listened to it again. Because I sort of listened to it for a stretch of a solid maybe year or two years. Right. Then I saw that movie, and I was like, revisited it again and listened to it some more. So that's kind of where I was at with it. And I saw them. Uh, they're one of those bands that when you see them live, you love their music even more.
0: I can see that because I mean, I've only seen photographs of them or I haven't even actually looked up video of them performing live, but even just seeing pictures of them, I can see how that would be a really great stage show and live performance.
1: Oh yeah. They're, they're super, they're super engaged and fun and, and it's seeing, you know, some of those songs that they have like the tuba, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. the big heavy horns Mm -hmm. going, going on and doing the, the sort of beat and uh you know seeing them on stage moving around with that and sort of adding the embellishments to it is just a great experience and i think when i saw them it was at austin city limits and they they always have one stage that you know it's in the tent it's the one that's covered right and it's it's one of the smaller stages but it's almost always uh blues or world music and it tends to be the less uh less popular stuff yeah but Almost always some of the best musicians. Yeah. And if you don't know where else to go, if you're at Austin City Limits, if you go to the tent, you're going to see something good. Maybe something you haven't heard of, but it's going to be something good. And I saw Devotchka in the tent. And uh, th- there's certain things that you can do with that proximity with the audience that you don't maybe get on some of the bigger stages. Mm-hmm. And one of them was they had an aerial, uh, an aerial dancer there okay while they were performing and it was just perfect for like that gypsy vibe that they have yeah and being in the tent the whole thing it was just a great great all-around show I-
0: yeah I can see that because they are kind of a um yeah they have that kind of cabaret type of vibe right they have interesting in- instrumentation right um they have very kind of powerful but over the top vocals right yes um, yes exactly everything's romantic with a b you know with a capital r kind of thing right where every man is doomed right cuz he's just going to go off and fight and not come back and <laughs> leave his love behind and it's that kind of vibe
1: yeah it's like if if 100 years of solitude was a was an indie album right. it would be this
0: right and it, there i mean so to be honest i guess i found this a hard album to like all the way through but i did find that there were like there's like half a dozen really good songs on here that i like a lot and i guess i think maybe well maybe it's it's um how you listen to it i think you said the same thing around about al stewart is that you know you listen to the first couple of tracks a lot more than you listen to the last three or four and it's kind of a long album. but um, yeah it seemed like a lot of the good songs are kind of front loaded as well though i mean there's some some ones that i like towards the end as well but um first track you love me the enemy guns I really like I really like yeah. it a lot um, that kind of aggressive punky vibe fits really well with whatever else they're doing Yeah, like you say, how it ends—that's, I mean, that really is a standout song on the album as well. I can I can see why you would have played that a lot. It's got that nice slow build to it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for the strings. It's, and I agree with you. It's there's a lot of connective tissue in the album, kind of uh, interludes and intermissions, I guess. Right. And it's it's uh, one of those things that by virtue of the format that we're we're doing i there's a lot of songs that i want to discuss Uh but maybe some of the things around them i don't want to subject you to right and
0: well i mean and it's harder just to talk about an instrumental piece than it is i mean i was thinking about that you know trying to think of how i wanted to attack the album and up till this point, we've done a lot of really like narrative heavy kind kind of albums, right? Um, yep, which makes it easier to talk about. You can almost talk about the story and the narrative more than you can talk about the music or, or whatever.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, there's there's a lot you can unpack in terms of what's happening in the songs because there's so much happening, mm-hmm. and, and you hit you hit a lot of it. Right to me, the the vocals are so almost histrionic but the singer has such an amazing voice yeah, yeah. That, you know that's impressive on its own but the instrumentation and the the sense in which it like you said it can have a sort of punk sensibility to it mm-hmm. but still have that sort of flamenco guitar and and it's interesting too because you know you think of the sort of uh the gypsy undertones but it also has very much the the Mexican South American sure yeah feel i mean to it, it to it's it. a
0: really yeah a really um non specific foreign or international flavor to it right cuz yeah. you're right you get you get spanish flamenco stuff and then that even that will go into like spaghetti western type you know guitar lines and then yeah you have the kind of french violins and horns and things like that and and then gypsy influence as well it's kind of a whole melange of stuff that you know it's evocative of something, but you're not really quite sure exactly how to pinpoint what it, what it's trying to evoke.
1: Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. Uh, that that really puts a point on something that I hadn't been able to articulate when I was thinking about. Uh, another, it reminds me at times of another band I listened to throughout that same time period, which is Beirut. Mm-hmm. And And I love Beirut. And Beirut has that too, right? And they feel more on the French side of that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. same type of really uh intricate and beautiful orchestration with instruments that i love in a context that they're not typically used uh and then it just creates a feeling A pastiche, but right. Th- that seems that seems to be a little bit maybe dismissive of how good it is on its own, right? Um, but yeah, it's it is a great sort of concoction that they've put together.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me. That, so this will be like a. Uh, we were already joking about Kant earlier, so this won't be any less pretentious than that, probably. probably but <laughs> so, so uh, the Italian. Philosopher Umberto Eco. um, Ah, yes. He, you know, he did a lot of kind of pop culture analysis and stuff as well as his scholarly stuff. And he did an analysis of uh, the movie Casablanca. And he was like, what, his question was basically, what genre is this movie? And he kind of went through everything frame by frame from the introduction, you know, all the way through the film and he's basically saying that this it's kind of a weird blend of every possible genre you can have there's you know a war movie there's a romance there's an action adventure movie there's a french foreign legion movie and it's all kind of melded into one and that's kind of the feel i get i get out of this this album it's taking so many pieces i mean the stories and the songs are kind of like that too you you have these kind of non specific like I said, guys going off to war, but you don't you don't really know in what context they're going off to war. You know, maybe it's some kind of weird European civil war. Or, you know, who knows, really?
1: Yeah, and it's got that kind of uh, carnival feel to it, right? You know, in that regard. Like, and that's why I mentioned a hundred years of solitude earlier mm-hmm. to, to continue our theme of pretense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, y- you know the the whole gypsies arriving in town, bringing things from further away to show these people who don't get out of that village. Right. Right. Like, Oh, here's, here's this thing from this other town. Right. And they, they come into town and they show all these curios and they basically just open up their, their caravans and, you know, they entertain everybody and they, they put on a show and it's fun, but there's a lot of things going on. Right. You know? And I think that's, that's part of the, the appeal of Dvachka is it, no matter how dramatic and how sweeping and how epic the songs are, they never lose sight of the fact that it's fun. Even even their sad songs have an element of whimsy and magic to them, which is... They do, really I mean, because, it,
0: yeah, and in some, some senses it's so over the top that it has to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but also not yep. really as well. So, I mean, I guess it works on both levels.
1: I didn't. I didn't do enough research into it, but I'm sure there's a tradition there, mm-hmm. a cultural tradition about that that I'm could, ignorant of. Could be,
0: yeah, yeah. It's also easy for me to see why, it, and I guess maybe it's because for a lot of those same reasons, why this makes good soundtrack music. Um, because it is in in some senses so non specific. It, it's really evoking an emotion, and it gives you enough space to kind of fill in. You know your own reason for having that emotion, right? I mean, you talked about How It Ends as being your breakup song. I've listened to How It Ends a bunch. I probably couldn't tell you what he's actually really talking about, but um, I could certainly pinpoint of having felt those emotions, right? Uh, you
1: Yes, yes, that's very good. Yeah. It's it's that poetic feel uh-huh. where, you know, you don't need you don't need to be told why you feel that way. <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> that is
0: the truth, yeah. The,
1: and, and the soundtrack piece is a good point because, you know, I think about you can pick out those, those instrumentation pieces, even the introduction to some of the songs like in Little Miss Sunshine, and I, I think it's in other movies as well. I think I've heard some Devochka and other movies and, and thought it was interesting but uh-huh. uh, I, I, there's one particular scene which is like a chase scene in Little Miss Sunshine that it uses the, part of that one of those songs where it just has that uh, urgency to it mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know it's it's got that, that sense of forward motion and it captures that really well and you know it's it's I think probably a lot of that connective tissue that you pointed out that you know maybe not as enjoyable to listen to on its own but as a backdrop to something else right you know it's it's really it makes sense <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, other than how it ends, what are, what are some of your favorite tracks off of the album? That you can...
1: uh, the enemy guns is definitely one of them. That uh, is, I mean,
0: that arrangement on that is is, I mean, that jumped out at me pretty much immediately.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent one. I'm trying. Let me pull up the. I sh- was unprepared. Let me pull up the track list um i do like uh we're leaving is one of them
0: yes yeah yeah that's uh, the we're going off to war and none of us are going to come back one right
1: yep <laughs> right <laughs> that's the one yeah, that's
0: it it's a shame it
2: is. there's no
1: I think "Dearly Departed" and "Too Tired" are the other ones. There.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, "Dearly Departed" is a good one as well.
1: And maybe yeah, "This Place Is Haunted" is another one. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good one. Okay, it was uh, it was also in the trailer for "Everything Is Illuminated." That makes sense.
0: I don't know that. I don't think I've seen that movie.
1: Oh yeah, it's the. I actually don't remember the movie. I remember the book it's made off of. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz it's uh Jonathan Safran Foer.
0: Oh, okay. Hm, okay.
1: But anywho, um yeah, I think uh I think it's one of those there there's sort of uh there's sort of that phenomenon in the early 2000s of hearing really great music in car commercials. Yeah. You know, I I remember someone had a commercial that had a a modest mouse song in it Mm -hmm. and it was one of my favorites gravity rides everything and and it you know i had very conflicted feelings about it to where there was that really harsh juxtaposition of sort of a anti-consumerist band you know yeah with and then you know it's like a an ad for a ford taurus or something
0: um it was the same because you had it was about the same time I guess you had that Nick Drake song was it Pink Moon it oh yeah Volkswagen ad or something like that yeah. and I remember feeling the same thing and I'm like well on the one hand it's a weird English folk song about death but on the other hand like it totally would appeal to the demographic they're, they're trying to sell Volkswagens to so
2: I written and I saw it say
1: Volkswagen commercials are the worst. Have you seen the one that j- just came out recently with uh, them taking a cross-country trip?
0: Yes. They keep showing it in the movie theaters like a trailer. Yes.
1: <laughs> Simon, that shit made me cry. <laughs> I was like, do, you know, do you know how embarrassing it is to cry at a commercial in a movie? <laughs> I'm sure April punched you. <laughs> oh, she ridiculed me. <laughs> so much so much with the ridicule <laughs> i was like oh no the love of her life is dead <laughs> they miss uh, him they're never going to get together again time moves forward <laughs> that's right <laughs> now, i need to buy Spider-Man. a volkswagen <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah i don't know if there's less of a stigma about that now now that it's harder for bands to make money on on record sales per se i there doesn't seem to be that um Maybe we're just past it culturally.
1: Yeah, I mean, who's going to tell you any different, right? Like Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan? Mm -hmm. He's got no room to talk.
2: My feet are so tired. My brain is so wide. And the clouds are weeping.
1: No oh, seriously. So at this point, you know, all your heroes are dead. Mm-hmm. Just just get a paycheck. No one's gonna blame you. <laughs> I mean, you could if if it makes them put out more music and good mm-hmm. music. Like mm-hmm. if it allows them to do whatever you want, right? You know, if if your favorite authors or musicians had to you know, do whatever for a paycheck, but it enabled them to really pursue their art more rigorously. Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe, maybe we as fans shouldn't pillory them so that they don't actually do, so they're scared away from doing what they should be doing or want to be doing.
0: Right. You know, and I guess the hope is that they're making the decision with, they have some kind of agency in it, right? It's not just an ad company buying up the song and using it. It's, they're like okay we're we're okay with you using the song for this this movie or this commercial or whatever the case may be yeah and hopefully you know the song will hopefully outlive the commercial anyway so uh it's kind of it is kind of annoying when you have a song that you like and it shows up in a commercial and then that's where everyone recognizes it from but yeah in theory it'll be around longer and people will forget that
1: right it's not like uh you know Christina Aguilera performing it Muammar Gaddafi's birthday party. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> a lot of people did. <laughs> I can't remember the list. It was, it was pretty funny.
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah. It's good money. I'm sure. Good money.
0: I'm sure it was.
1: So so what do we think? On balance, worth the listen?
0: Yeah, I do think it's worth the listen. I mean, like I said, there, there's nothing in, in the album that I didn't like. Um, it's just that some stuff stuck with me more than other stuff stuck with me right yeah and um, that's probably true of of a lot of albums but like you say the, the the musicianship on it is so good the vocals are so good and when they when they hit that sweet spot when you have something like How It Ends or The Enemy Guns where that you know you've got a really cracking arrangement that fits in with that it's yeah they're pretty remarkable good deal yeah, I would like to see them live, too, as well. I think, yeah, that would be... A...
1: Hopefully they... Uh, I don't even know if they're still touring. I haven't seen them on the festival circuit, but that doesn't mean...
0: They wouldn't be back around. Yeah. They're from, like, Denver, right? I Which blew so. my
1: mind. It's amazing how that works, huh?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they sounded bigger um, in terms of arrangements than than I thought from what from when you described them last episode because uh, you compared them to um
1: uh google bordello
0: that yeah. one exactly google bordello yeah. which you described as like the big the big festival party band right um yep. as opposed to these which i think you said were more kind of uh, subdued and, and round the campfire kind of thing but which I can definitely see, but they also had some, some bigger, bolder arrangements as well that I wasn't wasn't necessarily expecting, so
1: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. You know, they definitely they definitely can get bombastic. But I guess the stuff that the stuff that I was thinking it goes back to me listening to how it ends so many times. It's just kinda you know, I you know, I go back and listen to the album again for this and I thought, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's uh and if, if anybody is interested, they are still touring, but it seems like a very limited tour. Okay. To, looks like they're going to be in Boulder, Hollywood, and Seattle.
0: By the time this comes out, they'll be on their 25th anniversary reunion tour anyway. So. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can go there through Oculus Teleportation. That's right.
0: <laughs> cool. So, I was trying to think of a good follow-up to this. And a lot of stuff went through my head. I was trying to keep that keep, keep a thread going, but I don't think I quite... I was trying to think of something that set a mood and a scene like they do, but I couldn't really come up with anything. Or at least not anything quite as, quite as powerful or distinct as they are, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to an album for you. That I was going to recommend earlier. But for one reason or another. I didn't. Um, and it's. This is not going to be a surprise. It's going to be an English folky album again. and it, But it definitely sets. Um, a mood. Um, and the album I'm going to recommend is. Uh, it's Richard and Linda Thompson. And the uh, album is. Okay so there were, there were two I was considering. One of them is called Shoot Out the Lights. Which is their most critically acclaimed album probably and if i had to say song for song is probably the better album but the one that i have uh a more personal like for is called i want to see the bright lights tonight okay. so that's the one i think we're going to we're going to talk about next
1: so they're very big on the light themes
0: that is I, yes i guess that's true <laughs> that, that's probably just a good coincidence Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So Yeah so Richard Thompson is um He's a A guitarist guitarist He's had a long Career as a, a songwriter And a guitar player he started out In Fairport Convention Which is sort of one of the Original English folk rock bands And he kind of but I guess He kind of uh got dissatisfied with what they were doing earlier on. Um, And he'd already kind of made his reputation as a a guitar player in that band. And he went solo and he released one truly solo album uh, called Henry the Human Fly, which I think sold about (laughs) like literally 20 copies or something ridiculous like that. Wow. Um, But it's, it's a pretty good album in and of itself. But then after that, he uh, he started releasing albums with him and his wife, and so you have his wife's uh, Linda Thompson's vocals to kind of uh, sweeten the songs a little bit. She's got a really pretty incredible voice, mm-hmm. um, and he's a he's an excellent if kind of dour songwriter. Uh, he leans heavily on the pessimism and the doom and the gloom, so you could probably see why that appeals to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sounds well it sounds good. I look forward to that. I think you've mentioned him before. I I, th- I probably have, yeah. I think we asked that once, like who is who's your favorite guitarist? I think you mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: For sure. Yeah, so no pressure about liking it or anything. That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well here's to hoping that we don't have any other disasters natural or otherwise in the intervening. Weak.
0: Thanks for listening to the Exchanger podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review at wherever you downloaded the episode. You can find our social media links at our website, xchngr.org, and we're at Facebook at xchngr. Drop by, leave us a message, send us an email. Thank you. Man, oh man! How are you feeling about Puerto Rico, Phil?
1: Man, not great. Yeah, not no. Great. Um, I am quite worried. Uh, I I can't wrap my head around not just the response, but the level of disinterest. Mm-hmm. It, it so th- there's this problem with the f- way we frame reality now. Where, when we talk about things, people are arguing about whether or not we're doing anything in Puerto Rico. When really the question is, are people still in mortal peril? Right. And instead of talking about credit or blame, if there are still close to three and a half million people in mortal peril you do something to help them.
0: Yeah, you just shut up and get on with it.
1: Yeah, Wh- whatever you're doing isn't working. And I'm not saying it's because FEMA's not trying. I'm saying it's because the place is destroyed. Mm-hmm. A- and so what, what I can't wrap my head around is the idea that it, it, it's asinine to me to go, well, we already shipped 10,000 containers and they're in the port but they're not getting out of the port because the truck drivers aren't showing up. Mm -hmm. We did everything we could. And I'm thinking, of course they didn't show up. There's no roads. There's no fuel. There's no.
0: Right. There's no infrastructure left. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the thing that I think people don't realize about Puerto Rico is it has a pretty substantially mountainous center. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the cities are in the mountains and in the best of circumstances, those roads aren't really easy to get through. Yeah. Those roads are gone.
0: Well, I was looking at Vieques specifically, and I mean, obviously that's a smaller island, but I mean, it seems in some ways they're even more worse off because they just they
1: didn't have much infrastructure to begin with. I I haven't even heard that much about Vieques, and, and that's the thing. People can say all they want, you know, they can talk about trying to get to Puerto Rico, Mm-hmm. You still have to get to Vieques and Culebra, and that's not even to mention the people in the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 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 level of devastation is staggering, and the response from the military side, not talking about what the military personnel are doing, but in terms of the deployment of military assets to the area, mm-hmm. uh, compared to what they were deploying to Florida and to Houston. You're right is uh not nearly comparable and and i can't i can't wrap my head around why and i uh i'm really bad about writing to my legislators but i did this time and pretty much what i said is it's not a matter of complaining like do something else i pretty much just said listen this is what the army does when they're deploying uh resources to afghanistan yeah. When they have to drop supplies to people in Afghanistan, they do these airdrops. You know that the military can do them. They can build the air bridge and just drop supplies from the air. They need to do that. They need to be dropping water filters. They need to be dropping food because it's not getting to those people, and it's not going to get to those people. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't getting their insulin, and and I did the math. I was, I was thinking if you look at the average number of people per capita that. In the U.S., that have diabetes, in uh, <laughs> with popu- population the size of Puerto Rico, you're looking at 300,000 people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. You're talking about 30,000 people who are on dialysis. Like, I don't even know how many dialysis clinics are open there, but I'm guessing it's not a lot. Right. So yeah, yeah, if any. If you got 30,000 people who are in end-stage renal failure. Yep. You got to get them out. And not to mention all the people who are going to end up starting to get cholera and stuff because they're drinking out of creeks that have been, you know, covered in yeah. floodwaters. Mm-hmm. It's it's heartbreaking, man. It really is. I, I And, you know, we have a, up in Kingwood, there was a, a Facebook group that was for tracking the flooding in Kingwood. So it was like one of the main ways that I was keeping in touch and figuring out what was happening during right. Harvey. And so they turned it into uh, a sort of like rebuilding sort of community page where everybody's talking about like what's going on. And someone in there posted um, basically, you know, we benefited from a lot of help as a community uh, during Harvey from people from all over the states. Like we, we just had the San Antonio waste management people leave Kingwood. Uh, they've been cleaning up all the debris from the houses for the last mm-hmm. month. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Right. And, uh, you know, this person said now Puerto Rico desperately needs help. Here's a link to an article on, you know, things that you can do to help Puerto Rico. And I was like, Oh, I'm so thankful that someone did this. Right. And I, I go in there to say, to like, thank them. And I see that there's all these comments of people arguing about like why people shouldn't be worried about that or basically saying like, well, maybe if the mayor of San Juan would stop, complaining and be more grateful for everything that we're doing for her it's like yeah it's ridiculous you really have to rethink what gratitude means Mm -hmm. i mean if you're saying you're basically saying that they should be supplicating Mm -hmm. and i was so mad and then they they had the audacity to say like well she should be negotiating with the teamsters who are striking and that's why the people aren't getting any food or supplies like I really sincerely doubt that you got up and went to work the day after Harvey. You know why? Right. Because you couldn't. Right. Because there's no way to get out of Kingwood that didn't involve a boat. Hmm. So yeah, that was that was more answer than you probably wanted. But I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty upset, man. I'm really well, upset. Well, I mean,
0: you should be. Yeah. Well, if if this if this goes out, not too. Many weeks from now, maybe I I'll put some uh, links to places for donations or charity or something that people can
1: uh, can contribute to. That would be great. I think uh, unfortunately they're going to need it for a long, long time.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: You know my my uh, sort of plan for motivating the government to act more strongly was to remind them. That as soon as Puerto Ricans move into the states, they can vote in presidential and congressional elections. Right, and that uh, there's three and a half million of them in Puerto Rico, and there's going to be a mass exodus. And do you know where Puerto Ricans usually move when they go to the states? Swing states. Yeah. So I, I just. uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean that could be very much be a reality, right? I mean, I was thinking maybe that. This is the kind of, I mean, it's bad attention, but maybe it's the kind of attention that would get Puerto Rico statehood. Enough people would, you know, be up in arms or there would be enough people with some modicum of compassion who would say, you know, we need to, there's no excuse for not treating these people the same as any other citizen. So, you know, but you're right. I mean, if the infrastructure is damaged that badly, there may be just so many people who have no reason to stay anymore.
1: I mean they they've suffered from such bad brain drain for mm-hmm. so long. I mean most uh, not most, but a lot of young people leave just because you can, right? I mean right. That's a possibility for you and it's a lot. I mean look at look at the state that they're in. The the things this Puerto Rico's been and has been suffering a lot for a long time because mm-hmm. of the sort of disinterest I think from the the federal government really and I'm not saying it's the federal government's fault but there's a level of disinterest there that there wouldn't be in a state like say Mississippi, right? Right. You know, at some point or or Detroit, not not Detroit specifically, but I'm thinking like the Detroit school system, right? You know. Right. Like right. the state comes in and says, "Hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. We're going to take over." And then at some point if the state level isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing the federal government comes in and takes over but there has to be enough interest to do that and and that really hasn't been the case which is what happens when you don't get to vote you know yep that's that's phil's thoughts on puerto rico
0: <laughs> it's a special bonus episode a very special episode yeah. <laughs> of the Exchange your <laughs> podcast yeah you feel free to cut all that out that's <laughs>